Today's reading is Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. It can be found on page 662 of the Bible's next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come, he will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, you are here. Would you fill this place and each of us with your presence? You know each one of us. You know how we come in here today with hopes, dreams, fears, regrets. Will you rescue us from ourselves wherever it is that we're spiraling today? Pull us out of that. You know us individually and you know us together. You know our collective heart here at City Life, this little outpost of your kingdom. Speak to us today. Guide us, call us. Show us your great love through the power of your word and your spirit. Amen. This prophetic vision from Isaiah of unmatched beauty, peace, safety, salvation was well known in Jesus' day. And 
like Mark said, Advent points backward and forward. This passage points to at least three places. Uh, backward to the salvation that God provided miraculously from the Assyrian king Sennacherib. It's kind of a famous passage and an amazing story of salvation. The people in Jesus' day knew all about that. And they were waiting for the vision of Isaiah to be realized, for the anointed one, the Messiah to come, who is going to start to put everything right. And it also points all of us forward to that end day, the day when God has promised to bring perfect peace, restoration, healing to all of creation. Shalom. You might have heard it mentioned here before. What will that be like? Shalom. Imagine the unspoiled beauty of creation. A mighty mountain river breaking out in the middle of a huge garbage dump and sweeping it all away. Not downstream, but just away. It's gone. Imagine millions of wildflowers springing up in the middle of a desert. It happens here in California. This year, it's called a super bloom. It happens every few years. Have you seen this? Anybody drive to it or see pictures? You have my permission to Google it during the sermon. It's okay. It's amazing. It's the super bloom. It, it only happens when certain conditions exist. When there's long periods of dormancy and there's millions of seeds just waiting and then it takes an extra harsh cold winter and lots of rain and then out of nowhere, bam! There's millions of flowers in dry desert areas and then tourists come and everybody plans a trip and we live here and we don't even know about it. I never saw it. I just saw pictures, but it's amazing. It just, you know, kind of appears in the desert. Bloom, 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 super bloom. And it's happening this year in, in California. Isaiah saw that. New redeemed creation will bust out in harsh places. And people will experience all kinds of healing. Here's a shalom question. What would it look like for you if all sickness and infirmity were gone? All relationships that have been broken are healed. Put right. All relationships between people, all people, between people and nature, between people and God, between neighbors, between nations, political parties. Now we're getting into fantasy. All people, people groups all over the world. What would that look like if everyone and everything is exactly where they belong? 
Where do you belong? Home for the holidays? People are coming home now or going home. It can be a real time of joyful reunion, but also it can be a time of brutal separation and loss that can be highlighted. Old wounds can be opened. This can be a very painful season for many who wonder if they can ever find the place, the family, the love, the calling, where they belong. Where do we belong? St. Augustine famously said to God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Do we belong to the one who made us? Is Augustine right? Does our restlessness and anxiety come from disordered priorities? And our desire to escape pain and brokenness in us and around us, do we tend to chase a dizzying array of self-help strategies, one after the other, to create our own significance rather than clinging to the significance we have because we're loved by the one who made us. One way that shalom has been broken is seen in families. So let's forget about ours for a second and look at two dysfunctional families from the Bible. That sometimes helps uh, as we prepare for the holiday season. One is the very first family ever. The very first family, Cain and Abel. Cain is a real chip off the old block. He was counting on himself, holding back his best from God, you know, for a rainy day. He's, he gave God some extra stuff that didn't spark joy. <clears throat> and God called him on it. He gave him another chance to surrender his control, his grip. But Cain saw his brother's real genuine love and kind of loose grip, and he lost it. Out of envy, he snapped. He killed his brother. God got right to the point with Cain. Where's Abel, your brother? I don't know. He lies. I don't know. And then he asks what he thinks might be a rhetorical question. Am I my brother's keeper? Gosh. In Hebrew, the word means protector, to care for. It's the same word God uses when he asks Adam and Eve to care for, 
to exercise dominion over the earth, shamar, to protect it, to steward it, to care for it, to cultivate, not rule over, dominate, and abuse. So Cain kills Abel, family brokenness enters the world. Am I my brother's keeper, protector? This question hangs there, but it's answered emphatically by another dysfunctional family in the Bible. Joseph told his older brothers about his dreams. Maybe a mistake. How they would bow down to him one day. He wore his coat of many colors that showed their father's great love for him and his Sonship showed that he belonged. His brothers attacked, sold him into slavery. He ended up where he did not belong, rotting in a cold, dark prison, seemingly forgotten, alone, and friendless. But he trusted God, and in time, he was released rose to become like a son to Pharaoh, given new clothes and a signet ring, showing that he belonged. And then finally, his now starving brothers show up and bow. They bow to their brother, whom they had brutalized, and they were shocked to see him carefully chosen by God, placed in a position of influence and charged by God to do what? To care for and protect his brothers. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, Cain, you are. Yes, Joseph, you are. But they betray you are. We are. God reveals his strategy for creating ultimate shalom that Isaiah, Isaiah talks about. It's to use people. Us. But first he demonstrated. God demonstrated his strategy for creating shalom by becoming a person born to an unwed teen mom outside, poor, alone, not belonging anywhere, rejected. Nativity scenes look nice. Imagine the smell, the blood, the pain, the rejection, the wonder, and then the panic, fleeing for their lives to a foreign country. Jesus grew up like that, dislocated 
not belonging. He began his ministry and he was consistently misunderstood, rejected even by his family and those closest to him. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knew hunger and homelessness. He spent time in the desert. Finally, he was falsely accused, deserted by his followers, publicly tortured outside the city gates where the lepers were that didn't belong. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried. Even that cosmic family was broken in order to bring healing to us. Reconciliation. But Jesus, in the midst of his desert, his winter, that bleakness, Listen to what he says to John the Baptist who's in prison in that cold, dark prison on death row wondering if his call from God had been right. He wants to know. He sends word to Jesus. Are you the one? Are you the one who's going to begin to usher in? Are you the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? When is it going to start? When is it going to change? And Jesus simply sends him a message, kind of a coded message. He knew John, knew Isaiah. And Jesus simply says, tell John what you see. The blind see. The lame walk. The deaf can hear. And John knew Isaiah. He must have said there in that frozen, deep, dark prison, going to his death, he must have known and he must have said, oh, it's starting. Everything is turning upside down. This world of broken systems where disease Lameness, deafness, blindness create a desert of injustice. It's being remade. Water will gush forth in the wilderness. Justice will roll down like waters. In this hostile darkness of exile, a well-marked highway will appear and carry us above our own foolish self-help plans for happiness, beyond the reach of the ravenous beast of fear that stalk us. Are we our brother's keepers? As soon as we let go of our plans, recognize and bow to our king in the manger on a cross, we see that our king, at the moment when he could seize all power, dropped to his knees to serve, to wash feet. And he calls us to do the same thing. 
Maybe God has carefully chosen and equipped you for something. Which brothers and sisters may you be charged to protect? Which healing action of God are you specially prepared to join? Maybe it's an inhospitable desert place in you that you can't imagine blooming. Can beauty show up among the ashes of your life? Maybe it started. Isaiah mentions the crocus. I grew up in Chicago. The crocus is crazy. It grows up through snow. That, that, that March, April, May snow in the Midwest where you're just, you just want to kill everyone because it's... <laughs> been there it's not pretty anymore it's slush it's black from you know it's gross and it and it's never ending and then there's a crocus growing right up through the ice and snow at city life we want this to be a safe place for each of us to experience the gospel to taste god's grace to practice the rhythms, like Mark said, of belonging to God, belonging together, and belonging to God's work of renewal. Maybe here you can safely germinate during a harsh, cold season. This church has been that for quite a few people, Susie and me too. You know, at the end of winter, that smell... There's a smell when spring is in the air. Let's have a super bloom. Let's listen together to what God is doing. And we can ride whatever riot of color that he wants to do. There's beauty that he has planned. And he's put the seeds in us. We can be guerrilla gardeners around the city. That's a thing, right? You know, this is a metaphor, right? Everybody knows that. In our class, we were talking about metaphors of the kingdom of God and shalom breaking in to this broken world. And we had the beautiful picture that Susie drew, and we were experimenting with different things. Grace goo was one of the things. But Lauren saved us with a metaphor of seeds. Thank you, Lauren. I don't see her. But anyway, I saw Jeremiah. Uh, seeds being planted. Little, little pockets, little signs of the kingdom. Seeds of shalom planted with great humility and much prayer. I have this feeling around here that we have an amazing number of beautiful little shalom gardens individually in our backyards. 
I think we, we are involved in some incredible things in our backyards. Maybe literally and metaphorically. Have you ever seen Mark and Lisa's backyard? It's awesome. We have a, we have a hot tub in our backyard. That's cool. But, but, but metaphorically, each of us has stuff going on. And I feel like we would have our minds blown if we just got together on some of those. If we even knew what was going on. The ways that God is calling us. <clears throat> Let's listen to each other. Let's hear each other's stories. Let's listen to God together. It's happening. Imagine this land of burning sand and jackals with living water bubbling up, gushing, creating beauty and healing for all kinds of people, all relationships and broken systems right here in our neighborhoods. Crocuses pushing up through snow here and there, bloom, 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 super Imagine this garden city of God. It's his work, but we get to help with it. Imagine the best of everything you've ever tasted. Every fruit and vegetable, every dish perfectly prepared. It's kind of impossible for me to imagine that without barbecued ribs. But just think of the best and the best relationships you've ever had or ever seen your best friend your loving parent your life partner your loved child and in every one of those there's still brokenness perhaps even deep wounds in your very best relationships but God promises perfect peace shalom found in him our true home and we belong there with him because Jesus was exiled. Can we picture this shalom? What will it look like in your home, in your neighborhood, your place of work and worship? The whole Old Testament whispers and sometimes shouts like Isaiah, you belong to the one who made you, the one who will heal one day all the hurt. He took it on himself. He will bring you home, pursued by gladness and joy. Let's pray. God, will you show up in ways that we can see and smell and taste? Will you clarify for us our part? Show us our brothers and sisters you want us to care for. Show us how to do that together. We can see your shalom starting already. Each child tutored, each 
person rescued from trafficking and violence. Each peace treaty signed and lived out. Each time a couple weathers the storm that marriage can be and comes to love each other fiercely and joyfully. Each time the voiceless are heard, the overlooked are seen as beloved. Your children. That's a taste of shalom. It's a sign. Will you bring these seeds long dormant, bursting into bloom along this road as you call us home? May gladness and joy overtake us even now. Amen.